Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, now for going on week two. And uh, Curtis and I will be here every day talking to Cats, Monday through Friday, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation. We'll cover it here every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. As you can probably hear, Kyle's traveling right now, so we got him on the phone. That's why he sounds a little different than normal, but it's a good connection, so we should be good. This episode, we're going to be talking about the UK football game and the loss at Texas A&M. Coming this week, we're going to get into some basketball during the bye week, uh, the embargo list on all UK basketball coverage. Kyle's has some great stuff coming out on The Athletic that we'll get to on the next edition of this podcast, but we're recording here on Monday night, so the embargo isn't lifted, so we can't get into a ton of stuff. Also, the Pro Day is going on at Rupp Arena as we're recording. We're going to talk about that on the next podcast as well. So just stay tuned for all uh, the UK basketball coverage. But on this one, we want to talk about UK's loss at AM, the overtime loss, what happened in overtime, the stagnant offense, praise the defense a ton, and then set it up going forward, what it means for the rest of the year for UK football. Kyle, I'll just lay it out with you. Just give you a simple question. Should Benny Snell have gotten the ball in overtime? Well, yeah. I mean, he should have gotten the ball a lot more than he did. 13 carries for 60 yards. I mean, look, it was tough sledding. I understand that it was hard to run the ball in that game, but 13 carries for 60 60 yards is uh, fairly productive, is a lot more productive than what they ended up getting in the overtime possession, and especially taking a sack there on third down that ended up being just a devastating blow to them. You you back up the, the field goal for a shaky field goal kicker, and he misses. Yes, Benny Snell should have gotten the ball. Um, and Eddie Grant, I think, finally, not finally, but I think he accurately fessed up to that and said, you know, we, we should have run given the ball to 26. And, and, you know, I think his explanation, and, and when you look at it, you can see there was an open man. I mean, the, the play was open on that passing play if he'd just gotten the ball out of there. But, um, and it, you know, that's a play that they felt good about and had, had some success with all season. But given the way the night was going for Terry Wilson and given the way the night was going in general for pass protection and, and sort of his quarterback's confidence, I, I, I just want to put the ball in Benny Snell's gut and, and see what he can get you. You know, I think it minimizes risk in overtime. The way your defense is playing, you've you got to think maybe they can – probably they can hold to a field goal. They ended up not doing that. But I think some of that was just re- resigning them fa- themselves to the fact the game was over. But the way your defense is playing just – Minimize risk and at least get a really easy field goal, and they didn't do that. I thought that was I thought that was poor uh, game management there in overtime. Yeah, I'll give you some quotes from Eddie Grand. He said that he thought everybody in the stadium that thought they were going to give it to Benny Snell, and he said he thought it was going to be wide open. But looking back, it was a bad decision. <laughs> he said he, he summed it up pretty well. Looking back on it, I wish I had handed it to twenty six. But he said, as you pointed out, Kyle, they actually had two tight ends running out there, one in the flat and one going to the corner. Um, Mark Stoops said that they had been working on that play a lot, and it had been super successful, and they had an opportunity for a big play. Because when you look at the replay, both tight ends were open relatively uh, easily and had green grass in front of them. Um, Terry Wilson, to his credit, said, I should have went to the flat. We just got to relax as a team. I think we were a little bit too amped up. Just had to relax and had to get the ball to the flat. I think I looked over the flat and went straight to the corner. I just can't take a sack on third and two. So Terry Wilson, Eddie Grand, they both kind of looked the mistake in the face and owned up to it. 
And then finally, I'll wrap with this quote from Benny Snell. He said, it is what it is. I trust Coach Grant and what he calls. I trust my team, so I can't do anything about it. That's exactly what you want to hear after a loss like that, but there's no there's no consoling the Kentucky fan base because it's pretty evident Benny Snell should have got the ball. That and the fact that, you know, I think this was what we talked about. A lot of people talked about this. is one of the As well as they played, this was one of the two games left on the schedule that a lot of people thought it's probably just too tall a challenge. And it wasn't. They went down there to Texas A&M. They took a great crowd. I was impressed by that. Um, and they, they played Texas A&M toe-to-toe. They, they struck first. The defense was, I mean, really pretty unbelievable. And they had a chance. Uh, you know, they had many chances to go win that game and be 6-0. and and, and then, you know, the sky's the limit. You're, you're absolutely in the SEC race. It was all right there. And I think that's, that's the frustration from fans. You know, the quote from, from Grant about, uh, everybody in the stadium knew he was going to get the ball or thought he was going to get the ball. How many times in the past has Eddie Graham and, and Mark Stoops said, you know, the mark of a good SEC team and winning in this league is when everybody knows you're going to run the ball and you've got to get those, you know, however many yards and you can get them anyway. And how many times has Benny Snell done that? I, I mean, there have been many times in the last three seasons where Everybody in the stadium knew Benny Snell was getting the ball. They were snapping it directly to him a lot of those times, and he was still getting those yards. Um, and again, even if he doesn't, the, the worst-case scenario is probably, what, three straight one-yard runs and you're three yards closer to a chip-shot field goal instead of 10 or 15 yards backward uh, from taking a sack. I just, uh, you know, I, I absolutely get the frustration, but I also do understand, look, if – if that play connects, this, there's a million of these in football. If that play connects on the passing play, it's you know everybody expecting run and they get a wide open tight end for a touchdown and they win the game. People are praising Eddie Grant as a as a brilliant play caller. So it's it's a <laughs> it's a fickle thing, college football and and fans' criticism of of coordinators' decisions. Yeah, and I I think that's evident in so many different calls. The one that was just kind of frustrating to me because I actually went up and looked some stats which normally you're the one to do it, Kyle. But everybody was complaining about C.J. Conrad and how he doesn't get used enough after getting two catches early on and then not getting one the, the rest of the game. But when I went on this CBS stats, for the whole country, he's 22nd um, in receptions for tight ends and 5th in the SEC. C.J. Conrad's getting the ball thrown to him, but it's just it's probably not enough. I'm not going to quibble about that. But when people say, you know, Eddie Grant doesn't use this guy, Eddie Grant doesn't use that guy, you can say that all you want. Uh, but Connery, it's getting used. Also, the penalties is what I think had more to do with the offense struggling than almost anything um, besides Texas A&M's defense being really well. That was the number one cause of why Kentucky struggled. Um, but the penalties, the false starts, which are just killers because, as you said, Kyle, you know Kentucky wants to run the ball, and the plan, yeah. the best the best Kentucky offense is Benny Snell for five, Benny Snell for five, and then do it again. You know That's what they want to do. Right. But when you're getting five-yard penalties and ten-yard holding calls – you can't do that because it's almost impossible to kind of get that chain moving. Yeah, and that's the one. The other thing I would say before we move on, because I do, I think we, we're going to focus a lot on the, the positive of the defense. And there's a lot there on the offense. The one, the one area I'll cut the, the coaching staff for sure some slack is, but they were they started the season without their five star left tackle, and then one of their basically basically co starter replacements at left tackle goes down before this game, so they're down to one you know proven entity. Uh, who's never had to play the lion's share of the snaps uh, at left tackle. And then early in the game, they're, they're probably best lineman, Drake Jackson, the center, the, the guy who makes everything go, 
uh, gets injured and they, they have to shake up their lineup. So then also their best guard, Bunchy Stallings, has to move over for what, from where he does what he does best uh, and be their emergency center. And so now you're playing with, what, three different guys that didn't, you didn't expect to have uh, and, and guys in different places. And that, I think, probably led to some of the penalties. I think it uh, led to some of the difficulty running the ball uh, where they weren't getting the huge holes that Benny's had to run through. Um, and, and, and when you, when you match that up with, you know, the, the shuffling of the offensive line against the fact that you're facing the number one run defense in the SEC and A&M looked every bit like it, I cut them a little bit of slack there. That was, that was a very good defense on a night when, uh, the quarterback was not playing with very much confidence or maybe, as he said, was too amped up and couldn't get much going in the passing game. And your offensive line is just totally out of sorts. Yeah. And, and just, to drive that point home, as you mentioned, it was I got the drives listed in the notes I was keeping during the game, and it was the ninth drive, and Kentucky actually had a big play, but it was called back because of a hold by E.J. Price, and where it was late in the game, you wonder how much fatigue might have factored in it for Price, because he probably had never played that many snaps, and to play it in the Texas heat, it was still hot down there, and in front of that crowd, it, it just probably got the best of him at that specific moment. It's not a knock on him going forward, or as a, as a lineman, but... You know, he's never been in that spot before in his college career. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and the same is true of Terry Wilson. I mean, people expect a lot of him. He's had some flashes. He's also had some, some struggles. Um, but this is what? His sixth, this is sixth, you know, major college football game. Junior college transfer, a uh, guy who never played a snap at Oregon. Um, and then... You know, by far the toughest environment he's ever played in. Mm-hmm. Hundred thousand people at Texas A&M, and, he's got a, and all of a sudden his line falls apart. Uh, that's a that's a tough ask for Terry Wilson. It wasn't a hundred; it was like nine ninety nine thousand and change. Kyle, we we are, we are <laughs> very facts are very important on this podcast. All right, uh, in a second we're going to talk about the the bright spot, the huge bright spot of the Kentucky game, and that was the Kentucky defense. They were unbelievable. We're going to discuss that in just a second. The Kentucky-Georgia game is sold out, so where are you going to go to get tickets if you want some? Since you can't get them from UK, I'll tell you where to go. You go to Vivid Seats. We all love a night out. Whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd, cheer on the cats. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert show or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or even look for seats and sections of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here, I'll give you a tough question. I gave you an easy one, Kyle, to start the podcast off with. Here's a tough one. Who was more impressive to you, Darius West or Josh Allen? Well, you know, it's weird. I went to check those stats earlier and Josh Allen's credited with four tackles, no tackles for loss and no sacks. Uh, it, can that be right? I mean, to me, it seemed like he was all over the place. There were several times where he appeared to be held. I mean, the guy can't seem to get a holding call against him to save his life these days. 
uh, one in particular where it's very obvious he was getting held and then crashes into the quarterback and draws an unnecessary roughness uh, or roughing the passer penalty. But I, I was really surprised to go look at his stats that he didn't have what looked like impactful stats. I thought he did very much impact the game. He was in the backfield nonstop again and relentless his motor. I mean, there were A&M had the ball so much. The offense was so inept for Kentucky that uh, I was impressed by the stamina of that defense. They they stood up as long as they did. They they turned back several you know threats from Texas A&M and Josh Allen was a big part of that. And as you mentioned, Darius West. I, I'm going to give the nod to West in this one. He was again really really good. Uh, he was again making himself a bunch of money. Uh, I, I think he's probably. It's hard to say. I mean, Josh Allen was probably already on people's first-round draft boards or close to it going into the season. I'm not sure where Darius West was, but I would guess he's made himself even more money than anybody uh, on this team by the way he's played this season. Obviously, probably some questions about if he could stay healthy, and so far he has with that multiple uh, times broken leg. But he's, he's playing like he's never been hurt ever, and he's hurting a lot of other people. The scoop and score was huge. The tie at late is, what, third interception of the season? Yes. Uh, He's he's been incredible. I, I think they thought he would be that when they signed him out of high school, but then there was a time when I think they wondered if he'd ever contribute because he couldn't stay healthy. This is this has been a, a you know pretty remarkable year for him, and and that defense across the board. When you start to look at it, I mean Mike Edwards was very good. I think he had three or four tackles for loss in that game. He was really big early. Josh Allen, Darius West. Uh, you know, Cash Daniel, there are some serious playmakers really all over that defense, and I guess it stands to reason that they, they again, look like, look like a legit, you know, top-tier SEC defense. I think they held, ended up uh, holding Texas A&M to fewer yards uh, than, than Alabama did. I think that's right. Um, the thing with Darius West, as you mentioned, it's just incredible what he's come come back from, and he to do it in different facets of the game, and it's kind of interesting to see where that's something that he and Josh Allen have in common. Allen had the unbelievable pass breakup that I, I think caught more eyes than any of the sacks he's picked up this season, and Darius West is kind of his reputation before this year was to be the like the extra linebacker guy to come in and kind of bring the pain. Um, in inside the box from that safety position, but leading the the team in interceptions, he's just been a ball hawk. And then grabbing that fumble and running it back, I mean, he was just unbelievable. And uh, to your point, Mike Edwards also just lived in the backfield early. That was it was an interesting dynamic when they came in, as you said, Kyle. I think a lot of the way that Stoops and the staff perceived it, and this is just kind of me listening to what they said and interpreting it. So I'm not, you know, don't take my word that this is how they actually felt. But I think they thought West was going to be better than Edwards. But they both thought they were going to be really good. And then West couldn't stay healthy. So Edwards became, you know, the forefront of the defense. And now West is kind of jumping back up and taking that competition and taking it to another level. Yeah, you could certainly argue that outside of uh, Josh Allen, he is the most impressive and best uh, player on the defense, not named Josh Allen, mm-hmm. but uh, and that's another reason. I mean, they've just they've strung together basically six weeks of very impressive defense uh, and some tough challenges. And you know, if we're if we're pushing, you know, looking pitching this thing forward and looking ahead, like what is what did Saturday mean and and what as you forecast the rest of the season, I think a huge reason to be optimistic is the defense is 
for real. And now they get a bye week. It's like a perfect uh, opportunity. They can get a bunch of guys healthy. You know, they can try to solve some things on offense. They can try to figure out well, where Terry Wilson is comfortable. Um, you know, they can go back and, 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 you know, get back to the Benny Snell plan and figure out how to help him be successful. But that defense is, I think, such a reason to be optimistic uh, for Kentucky. And the fact that, I mean, they're, they're, you know, an overtime play away, basically, from being 6-0 and with wins at Florida and Texas A&M. And by the way, that Florida win looks better every single week. Florida beats LSU, top 10 LSU, and has not lost since, uh, since Kentucky went to Gainesville and won that game. So Kentucky's a very – I, I, I still buy that Kentucky is now a, just a, an actually really good team in the SEC, and the, and the schedule uh, could not set up much better for the second half of the season. They get a bye week. They get Vanderbilt at home. Uh, they got Missouri. They got, what, MTSU, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, and Louisville to end the season, you know, Louisville got absolutely wrecked by Georgia Tech, gave up 500-some rushing yards and blown out. I mean, that's a game that I think Kentucky should expect to win. I think Vanderbilt is a game they should expect to win. I think Tennessee is probably a game they should expect to win. So there's still eight, nine, uh, and maybe ten wins on the table for Kentucky, and the, and the reason they continue to believe that uh, is because they still do have Benny Snell, and I don't think they'll keep forgetting them, and they have that defense which has week after week now proven it is absolutely legit. We'll get into a little bit more about the rest of the season in a bit, but I did want to mention a guy who I think kind of showed that he's going to be a star of the future, and that's Chris Oates. He had two tackles for loss. He had four total tackles um, when he was in, and obviously he got the start because Cash Daniels was suspended for the first half. He was super impressive, and going forward, I think he's just going to have to get some time on the field because – he seems to be another one of these guys in this linebacker line that just is unbelievable. And, you know, we're naming all these guys, and we haven't even mentioned Jordan Jones to this point. I don't think he necessarily had a, a bad game. He had that one huge uh, tackle for loss for minus for that sack, uh, minus 13 yards. But overall, he only had two tackles. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the kind of crazy thing about the Kentucky defense overall. You know, you're forgetting names when in seasons past, that would have been the best player on the team. Jordan Jones was a tackling machine, and now we've listed off, I don't even know, we might be up to double-digit guys, and right. we're finally getting to Jones. A hundred, Yeah, a guy who's had a 100-tackle season and you know was an all-SEC caliber guy, and yeah, w- without a doubt was, I think, the best guy on the defense a couple years ago, and, 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 and he's still making some huge plays. I mean, he had the, the terrific uh, forced fumble uh, against South Carolina, that, that set up a score and, and had did make a couple of really really big impactful plays where you noticed him against Texas A and M. But there there, like I said earlier, there are so many different guys who look like legitimate SEC. You know, when you think you know tough tough to score on SEC defenses, they have those at every level of the defense. And that's it, Oates is another one. Um, absolutely, he's a guy they were really excited about when they signed him. I think they thought he could help them early. There was a lot of buzz about him. Uh, my former colleague Joe Masato went up and wrote a great story about him um, in the summertime. And, and you know, everybody who knows that kid thought he was going to be an impact player. And he, he talk about a, getting thrown to the wolves, uh, kind of make you essentially make your big debut, uh, at least in your in the biggest moment um, on the road in College Station. And he didn't. I don't think he blinked at all. And uh, so I was impressed by that for sure. 
I got some breaking news that I'm going to tell Kyle in a second, and then we're going to wrap up with where Kentucky goes from here and some projections from a couple people across the country for bowl games for Kentucky right after this. We got a new sponsor for Locked On Kentucky. It is Sling TV. Listen, you don't want to miss any of the games. And today, whereas we're recording on Sunday, there was an event that I nearly missed, but it was fun and I got to see it because of my Sling TV. I've been a Sling TV customer for a few years now, and the Browns-Ravens game was shown on CBS here locally. And then at the end, many of you might have saw this, because of NFL rules, they had to cut away. Lucky for me, I got Sling TV and I got the sports package because I just two boop, two clicks over on my Sling TV, which streams right to my big screen, and I'm on the NFL Red Zone channel watching the end of that game all the way through. It's awesome. The best part is there's no contract, no useless channels, and no hidden fees. And on top of all that, you can cancel at any time. That's why I have Sling TV, and that's why you should check it out. And if you want to check it out, here is a special offer that can get you going for free. Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's sling.com slash locked on. Go check it out. It's really awesome. If you're sick of fighting with your cable or satellite provider, check out Sling, and you get seven free days to figure out if you like it or not. So go to sling.com slash locked on. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, Kyle. So this was just, just saw this tweet. Source confirms that Mike Stoops is out as Sooners DC. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this is wow. uh, this obviously that's Mike Stoops is obviously Mark Stoops' brother. Uh, that was from Ray Aber. Ryan Aber, I think. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for that. Joe's correction. beat writing. Joe's new beat writing partner that, on the Oklahoma Beat. That's I think why I saw it because Joe retweeted it on my timeline. Um, I am. This is interesting. It obviously Oklahoma got beat by Texas. Texas scored almost, I think, every drive. I don't know. I didn't obviously. Yeah. I wasn't locked yeah. in on that game, but well, I'm, they've been getting shredded on yeah. defense, and that's Mike's been uh, Mike's been on the hot seat for a long time. I mean, there've been a, a number of a number number of seasons where Oklahoma fans. I mean, they always have a great offense. Uh, and they're, they oftentimes haven't had a great defense. He was never going to get fired, I don't think, as long as Bob Stoops was the head coach at Oklahoma, but he's not now. He turned turned it over to Lincoln Riley, and that's that's an awkward situation because, you know, Bob Stoops brought in Lincoln Riley as his coordinator, and, uh, you know, when he sort of surprised everyone and decided to step away and, and uh, pass the torch to Lincoln Riley, I'm sure he did it with a, a hope, or maybe not an understanding, but a hope that, he was going to stay loyal to, to Mike. I, I think it's a thing that probably had to happen. The fan base was, was uh, you know, out for blood. Um, and, and he was the obvious, um, you know, source of the problem, his defense was. But I bet that's a pretty awkward situation now. And Bob Stoops has stayed, you know, close to and connected to that program and been pretty visible since he, since he left as the coach. And now is the guy who groomed as his heir, uh, has fired his brother. That is uh, that is uh, awkward for sure. And 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 let the sort of speculation begin on when and if Mark brings Mike home to to work with Kentucky in some capacity. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind went to. And I'm ah yeah, I don't know what this is going to be. Obviously, Stoops is Mark Stoops is going to be asked about his brother Mike, and I'm sure that 
you know, he's not going to look forward to that question to kind of, because he's the only, he'll be the only Stoops brother that has a public flat platform at this point, I think, at a big time college program. I think the his the other brother, if I'm remembering correctly, coaches at Youngstown. Still at Youngstown. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's something to keep an eye on and see what happens going forward. Obviously, wouldn't be surprised at all if you see Mike Stoops maybe come to a couple practices and you know people make jokes about how oh I don't want him coming ruining the Kentucky defense. Big Twelve is a different animal, and you know, guy, guy knows a lot of football. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's been a head coach at a in a Power Five conference, and you know, got Arizona to a bowl game. And as you mentioned, Big Twelve offenses are just—it's a totally different deal. It's—it's it's the standards of measuring uh, the success of a Big Twelve defense are different because nobody stops anybody at the Big Twelve. Yep. It's all relative. Like you just got to get like in a, in a, a classic Big Twelve game, you got to get two stops and you probably win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike Stoops' defenses lately just haven't been able to get those those couple stops. So uh, you know, in a more traditional type league. Even though the the SEC has uh, begun to modernize a little bit, maybe his air, his expertise. I mean, Mark knows exactly what it is. He was his coordinator at he was Mike's coordinator at Arizona. Um, you know, Mark may may believe down the road. You know, it's it's not going to happen this season, but down the road that his brother can help in some way. And I I wouldn't poo poo that. I wouldn't uh, you know make jokes about that because as you said, the Big Twelve is just a is a different kind of beast altogether. Um, yeah, so we'll continue to monitor that going forward. And a quick note, uh, Mark Stoops will not have his Monday presser. He never does during the bye week. It isn't because they lost or something. When people Sometimes people see after a loss, Mark doesn't have his Monday presser. They're like, oh, he's scared to da-da-da. No, it's just the bye week, and their schedule has changed, so he doesn't have that. So we won't have comments from Mark Stoops until later this week. Um, so we'll wrap with the fact that Kentucky's, the new rankings came out, Kyle. Kentucky is 20th in the Coaches Bowl and 18th in the AP, dropping about five spots or so in each. I think that's about what you would expect. I mean, it's not a big knock on them. Um, but to your earlier point about Florida, the Mississippi State win also looked better because Mississippi State just beat Auburn. Um, and I think Mississippi State's close to being ranked again, so... All South Carolina knocked off Mizzou. I mean, Kentucky's SEC wins are all, right now, solid quality wins. I would say solid to very good wins. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. And from a bowl projection standpoint, Jerry Palm at CBS currently still has Kentucky in the battle for a Peach Bowl appearance because he says that the that'll give the that'll that'll be the third SEC school. We'll get that. That's how he was kind of looking at it. And so he thinks Kentucky still has a – he still has them projected at 10 and 2 to end the season. Most other of the national sites, ESPN 247, those kind of things, have Kentucky bouncing back between either the Citrus or the Outback. However, that shakes out, and most of those things, that means 9 to 10 wins. That means Kentucky's playing on a New Year's Day bowl, unless it's the Peach Bowl, then it's the 29th, I believe, and that still counts as New Year's Six bowls, quote unquote, since they got rid of the BCS. So, anyway, um, it's the biggest of big time bowls. Um, but Kyle, it kind of shows that from a national perspective, obviously Kentucky fans are mad about the way the loss happens, but no one's really taken a ton of credit away from Kentucky because they lost at A&M. No, I think a lot of people thought they would go have their, sort of their, their balloon burst out there. And I don't, that didn't really happen. I mean, like, again, it was down to a play or two in overtime or, you know, punching one in, in regulation. They were, they were right there. They, it wasn't fluky. They just, they, they played really well defensively 
uh, from start to finish and just kind of couldn't get that offense going. But I, I think they, they still earned a measure of respect by going to Texas A&M and, and going to the wire um, in a game that I think by the end of it, a lot of people thought Kentucky could and should have won. So, you know, I, I, I think if they take care of business with these games that they're, they'll be favored in, they're going to go into the postseason in a great bowl spot already with history in the bank. I mean, if they get to eight wins, in the regular season, that's a first in 30-plus years. Yeah. Um, and nine would, would be a whole other stratosphere. Ten would be the best since 1977. So uh, they've still got a ton of really special things they could accomplish. As we mentioned at the start, basketball coverage is going to be starting to roll out because the embargo is lifted, and we had the pro day today. Madness is on Friday, so we're going to do a bunch of basketball this weekend, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to be following along with Kyle's work on The Athletic. He's got some cool stuff in the crock pot that's going to be ready. Is that a good way to – is that a good – is that an analogy yeah, or a sure. metaphor? Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been slow cooking. It's been <laughs> slow cooking. Um, so follow Kyle on Twitter at – Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. You can follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Be sure to be following at Locked on UK as well on Twitter. And then find us on Facebook, Locked on Kentucky. Just search it and find us there. Also, big news, we are now on Spotify. So if whatever podcasting app you're listening to this right now, you for whatever reason don't like and prefer Spotify, go find us on there and subscribe there as well. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.